0: My name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at Kings. Um, It's my privilege to lead the team, my privilege to be speaking um, this morning. Um, If you come regularly, you'll know that what normally happens at this point is we have church news. Um, Then we take the offering. Then the speaker gets introduced and then I come up. Well... We've cut a few bits out this morning, we're going straight into the preach, we'll come back to church news, we'll do some of those things a little bit later. If you are um, years um, 7 and 8, is that right? No, okay, well I had a chance and I got it wrong. So if you're in year 9, you are going out for your youth work now. If you're in year 9, you're a visitor, you don't know where to go, quickly head to the information desk in coffee box and someone would be very happy to point you in the right direction. We had, we had a brilliant time praying this morning. Such a good time of prayer. So we gather near enough every week, seven o'clock in the morning in the Oak Room, and we were praying together um, as church and worshipping, and we just were, we enjoyed God. We had a wonderful time. God, God moved powerfully, um, and, and we feel God wants to do some stuff uh, this morning. So are you open to what God wants to do today? Good, good, good. Do you know what? That was a pretty good response. That was a very good response. So, excellent. Um, I should be preaching on James chapter 2. But if you want to hear that, you need to come this evening. Because I'm going to be preaching on James chapter 1 again, which I did two weeks ago. But I think that God's just given... I don't know, over the course of this week, God's been speaking to me about some stuff. And I think particularly... He wants to talk to us today about a right God confidence, okay it 's really important that we have a right God confidence, and I believe that um, just through some stuff that 's happened this week, God 's been challenging me on that he 's opened a little bit up in the Bible that I want to share with you, and I hope he'll multiply it and cause it to be a blessing to you as well. we're then going to come Wesnick we 're then going to come back to worship. So make sure you've got a few songs at the end that we can uh, um, respond to. And I'm going to be shorter than normal because that's my preach notes, okay? So we'll see see how it goes. Can you put a thumb in James chapter 1? And can you put a a finger in Psalms chapter 7? Apologies, there will be no words on the screen because when we did the PowerPoint, we thought we were doing James chapter 2 on Friday. Psalm 7. Very happy with interaction as long as it's encouraging me. So James chapter 1, I spoke about this two weeks ago. And I said it's a, bit, it's a bit like a slap in the face in some ways. If you're not ready for it, the way James launches into this message, he has no warm-up routine. He doesn't do anything to help his readers adjust or get used to it. He just goes straight in there and brings quite a challenge. And in, in, the, in, in over, just over 100 verses that, that exist within James, there are 50 imperatives, 50 commands. So if you think commands are only in the Old Testament, you've got a wrong theology. They're in the New Testament as well. James is right in there. It's linked to our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's linked to us following him and the life we have in him. But he dives in in verse uh, verse 2 and he says this. And this is a challenge. Please hear me as I'm saying this. I'm not saying that I've got it nailed. It's, It's a challenge. Count it all joy. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, my sisters, those who have been called by Jesus Christ, those who are following him, he says, count it all joy, not when you get the pay rise, not when life is happy, not when you're about to go on sabbatical. That's not the only time you're to count it all joy. He says, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. And what I've noticed in James is there is a deep, Rooted confidence in the faithfulness of God. He is, he is writing this letter to the churches saying you can rejoice. You can count it all joy when you face trials. Why? Ultimately, it's because God is faithful and he will not let you down. God is faithful, and even in the trials and the difficulties, we can rejoice in him. Now, I spoke that two weeks ago, but I was reading the Psalms this week, and I love the Psalms. Psalms are a real strength to me, but turn with me to Psalm 7. And we're just going to pick up the first two verses. Now, this is why it's important you have a Bible with you. You never know when God in the worship is going to change stuff around and we don't have the words for you. So I do encourage you, if you've got it on your phone, great. Got it on your iPad, brilliant. To be honest, I'm a bit old school myself. I prefer a book, you know, something I can look at. But doesn't matter. As long as you've got the Word of God with you, the Bible, you can look at it. So this, is, this is a psalm written by David when his son Absalom has entered Jerusalem. David has been driven out of Jerusalem. He is running away from one of his sons. He has lost his kingdom. Most of Israel has turned his, their back on him. And he's got this Israelite, this Benjamite, who is calling down curses... On David, this is a bad day. This is trials right, right up there. I mean, David is in fear of his own life from his son. That's, that's right. And this is, this is what he writes. "O oh Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from my pursuers and deliver me. Less like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it in pieces with none to deliver. That's graphic language, isn't it? And it really caught my attention when I was reading it this week. Save me from my pursuers. Save me from my circumstances. Save me from my trials lest like a lion they tear my soul apart rending it in pieces with none to deliver. Now I love the Psalms written by David. I think they are awesome. I think they are a gift to us and we can learn so much. But what I noticed was David doesn't have the confidence of James. David does not have the confidence of James in the faithfulness of his God because he is living before what Jesus did on the cross. You see, James' confidence in the goodness of God, he doesn't talk about soul being teared apart or lions devouring. There isn't that same sense of desperation. Why? Why? because he knows what Jesus did for him on the cross he knows the hope that is contained within it he knows the certainty for the future and God's grace and goodness and what I felt God challenging me about this week particularly was I think I'm more often in trials reflect Psalm 7 which is a desperate cry which is is fine To cry out to God like that, rather than the confidence that we find in James chapter 1. And it isn't just James. If you read Romans chapter 5, where Paul is speaking to the Romans, he tells them to rejoice. Let me quickly turn Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, verse 2, verse 1. See, as I've got no notes, I better have a bit more Bible. That's my logic as I'm going through here. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Really good news. Peace with him. Through Jesus, we have obtained access... By faith into this grace in which we stand. And then he says what? And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in that. But then he goes further. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, Paul is saying to the church in Rome, we don't just rejoice in our glorious salvation. We can even rejoice in our sufferings because God is at work within us. David talks about his soul being teared apart. And at times I know it can feel like that. But when you read the New Testament writers, Paul in Romans, James in his book... Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, what we find is although they face crisis and difficulties that are certainly bigger than I have ever experienced and and probably are bigger than many of you have experienced, there is a God confidence that underpins it all that saves us from hopelessness and saves us from a desperateness. Where we think there is no end and there is no way through, and we cannot find God within it. There is a hope within the gospel that changes everything. I've um, been reading John Piper. Um, Thank you, Reg. I've got a prompt over there. Finally alive. It just looks again at the gospel. Oh, church. Our greatest need today is to understand what happened to us at the cross. What happened to us when we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. To fully understand the implications because it changes everything. And how I face trials is different now because of the hope contained within the gospel. If you read the letter to the Philippians by Paul, it is full of trials and difficulties. But there is more rejoicing in that letter than probably anywhere else in the New Testament. Why? Because Paul has got his eyes focused on Jesus. I know this is hard. I know the trials are real and the trials are difficult. But there is something underpinning it. The Gospel. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Verse 31. Now many of you have heard this before. But this, these verses have direct implication for trials and difficulties that we are facing right now. So you walked in today carrying burdens and trials. I, I have. How do I view them? What underpins it? How am, I, how am I navigating my way through? Well, let me, let me bang a stake into the ground that will not move if you are a Christian here today. Now, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, what I'm saying to you is of no hope to you again at all. You are, if I can be so bold, in a hopeless situation without Jesus Christ. That is what the Bible says. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you're no longer in a hopeless situation. You have hope because of what God has done for you. If God is for us, which he is, who can be against us? I'll ask you the question again. If God is for you, is he for you? Who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If he has already given you the house, as it were, will he not fill the inside of the house with good things as well? If he's already given the most precious thing that he has, Jesus Christ, to save you, from the power of Satan and hell. Won't, can't you be confident, sat here this morning, that he will give you other good things as well, based on what he's already done? It's a certainty. It's done. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies you. It is God who has put you in a right relationship with himself. He is the king of the universe. He is the Lord of lords. He is the one sat on the throne and at some point in your past, he called you by his gracious mercy, poured his love and favour upon you, caused you to be born again and hidden in Jesus Christ, which is, by the way, an eternal, immovable thing. Will he let you go? Will he change his mind? Does God make mistakes? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who, who indeed is not only at the right hand of God. What's he doing? He's praying for you. Right now. Jesus is interceding for his church. He's interceding for his bride. Wow. Wow. I mean, my prayers can be a bit feeble, you know. Sometimes, am, am I in faith? Jesus is praying for His bride, for us. That's that's quite good news, you know. Who shall separate you from the love of God? Who will separate you from the love of God? Now, this side was miserable. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, this is quite good news, you know. On the sort of good news stakes, it's, you know, it's getting up there. Who's going to separate you from the love of God? No one. No. That was much better than you lot. <laughs> Who's going to separate us? No one. No one. Nothing. This, let, it, let it sink into your heart. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, is that going to separate you from the love of God? No. Or distress, is that going to? No. Now, truth is, Tuesday morning, does it feel like tribulation or distress is going to separate you from the love of God? Maybe. It might do. What some of you are facing at the moment in circumstances may cause you to wonder, does God love me? Will he continue to love me or not? He will never let you go. He will never, ever let you go. Will persecution separate you from the love of God? No. Will famine Separate you from the love of God. Nakedness separate you from the love of God. Danger or the sort. No, 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 because it doesn't depend on our ability to cling on to God, but on his ability to hold fast to us. Nowhere in there. Does Paul say it's because of us we will not be separated from the love of God? It all points back to a loving father who will never let us go. That is the basis for my confidence in saying this to you today. I don't need to know who you are. I don't need to know your history. I don't need to know your background, your personality traits, your strength of character. Because nowhere is it reliant on those things for our security that he will not let us go. It's based on the faithfulness of God. I have a right God confidence. I think that's why James could say, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds. Why? Because he knew this stuff. He knew salvation. Verse 37. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him, that's Jesus Christ, who loved us. For I am sure, I am persuaded. And really, in reality, this is, this, this. should be our objective today. This is, this is our aim. Are you sure, are you persuaded of these things here I'm about to read out? And if you're not, this should be the most important thing you give yourself to this week, is asking God, looking, looking to be persuaded. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, wow, death. Angels, nor rulers, nor things I am living with at the moment, nor things to come round the corner I do not yet know about, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are church we have a hope that underpins it all and it's based in the person of Jesus Christ what he has done for us what he has done for you and we have a responsibility you I don't what I do I have a responsibility for me but you have a responsibility for you Get persuaded, like the Apostle Paul. Don't don't just know it. Don't have it on your fridge. Or if that helps you get persuaded, I'm not against it going on the fridge. But get persuaded in the strength and the power of the love of God. Because it directly impacts how you face trials and difficulties in this life. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We do not need to fear that our souls will be torn apart by the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Because I'm hidden in Christ, He will never let me go. I have an eternal hope. I'm secure in His loving arms. That is where I stand. And that is where hundreds of you stand as well. Can I invite the band back up, please? My God confidence rests in who God is and what He has done for me. He has already proved to be so faithful. I 'm reliable and unchanging. that gives me security and hope for today. Why don 't we just stand? Lord, I love how you speak to us. I love how you challenge us. I, I, I love the fact, Holy Spirit, you're here, and we've done things different today because you've spoken to us about doing things different. And uh, I, I believe the reason for that is because God, our loving Father, wants us to bring us to a change of thinking. About trials and difficulties that we're facing. I'm not saying it's not a battle, it's not difficult, but there is a right God confidence that we can carry as His people, a security that we can know, because our loving Father has already done so much for us, and that's the basis for our security. I pray, Holy Spirit. This is your word. I ask you, would you come and make it live in our hearts? I pray for particular circumstances or situations where we have strongholds in our thinking, where we either think that no change is possible, or this is hopeless, or this is so desperate it feels like my soul is being torn apart. I ask you for your loving grace right now, a seed of your truth to come in and to germinate and to start to grow bringing just a speck of hope contained within your work lord jesus that if you've already done the greater how much more confident can i be that you would care for me every day day by day by day lord i pray where we have had wrong thinking and we need to repent we say father lord please would you forgive us for our wrong thinking please would you forgive us where we've robbed glory from you Where we've focused on our problems and not on your grace and goodness. Where we've believed lies and not the truth. Where we've let our emotions run away with us causing destruction in all sorts of different places. Please forgive us for these things. Lord we want to come. I thank you as I come. I come with confidence. Boldly I approach your throne. Not because of my self-righteousness but because Jesus of your righteousness knowing that you will forgive and bring grace i pray lord god that the broken reed you will not br- the, the bruised reed you will not break and the smoldering wick you will not put out and i ask you right now for those in real need and desperation they will know your favor and your grace flooding into their souls bringing comfort and strength and mercy i pray something of lizzy's testimony will even wash out and again bring fresh hope Lord, we we have our eyes on you, not on any man or person. You are the hope bringer. You are the life giver. So come. Come, we pray. Touch our hearts. Touch our lives. Bring hope to the hopeless, I pray.